0: You are Locked On Hornets, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day.
1: In a minute, because we live. live. live.
0: I've grown more excited about what the show today is going to consist of within the last 10 minutes. I also started off uh, really talking with Doug by looking up Flip Murray stats, and I had no clue that was going to happen today. That's how I've gotten this little session started. We've got hornet slash Bobcats trivia for you later on in the show. Doug's going to ask me some questions. I may look like a fool or I may look like a genius. We're going to find that out later on. We also have the bracket to reveal. We'll get to that in a moment. We'll get to Region 3 as we've been doing this the last couple of weeks. have a clip from Larry Johnson telling a story behind the scenes of the time that they were shooting Space Jam, even a Muggsy Bogues clip in there. Adam Morrison clip talking about his time playing for Larry Brown and <laughs> Bill Simmons' Chad Ford talking about uh, MKG and how they were both wrong on him. They thought he was going to be good. Boy, I the show is crazy. This, I had no clue we had all this content.
2: This show is a loaded baked potato from Wendy's. I'm talking cheese. I'm talking bacon bits. I'm talking sour cream. This show has it all. That's why we waited an extra day. We were supposed to release one yesterday, but we said, listen... This show is too juicy. We can't release it yet. We have to. We have to let people digest from Monday because they are going to need every bit of space in their brain for this show.
0: Do you still go to fast food restaurants during the pandemic, or do you just leave those alone?
2: Oh no, 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 no. No, I'm not, you stay away. Uh, yeah, I'm going to put my trust into some local localist. Well, number one, I mean, I, I think we should be supporting our local small businesses. You know, I think Wendy's and. All of these other places are going to be better equipped to deal with the economic ramifications. So I'm going to support local. But also, I just feel like some of these smaller establishments, I don't know why I trust them more. It's probably not even rational. You probably should (laughs) trust the large corporations. Although I will say, I think that small businesses tend to take care of their employees a little bit better than some of the big, uh, faceless, nameless corporations. And so I trust that the, the people that are being taken care of are going to take care of you.
0: You just mentioned Wendy's. I miss Frosty's. I don't go to fast food restaurants anymore as well. And I miss Frosty's. I want to go. This pandemic sucks, man. But we're still giving <laughs> you some content. We're still giving you a ton of content in a time where content is coming at a premium. And we'll start off with the bracket three, the Space Jam region. We will reveal that. We will put that up for you, the listeners, to vote. We'll put that on our Twitter handle. We'll put that up on a poll at Lockdown Hornets. You can follow both of us. We'll be retweeting it as well at Walker Mail at Doug Branson, L-O-H. And Doug, let's dive right, uh, right into the Space Jam region. Rick Bennell, not a fan of this region as the number one overall seed that Space Jam is.
2: Well, you're calling this the Space Jam region. I thought we had agreed this is the bittersweet region. Uh, mm, because, okay, that's good too. Right, because you have Space Jam in there, right? And it's bittersweet because, yes, it does feature Larry Johnson and Muggsy Bogues, but it is the bygone era. It's not It's not this current era. And it, it serves as a reminder that this franchise used to have national relevance and now uh, has really hyper-regional relevance. Then you have Kimball. well, It's going up against Kimball Walker, 60, which came in a loss to the Philadelphia 76ers.
0: Well, and to your point, both Muggsy Bogues and Larry Johnson, one, get their, get their talent stolen by aliens and the talent that is theoretically Larry Johnson and Muggsy Bogues, they lose to a bunch of cartoons. so it is bittersweet in that regard as well.
2: Right. And then you drop down to the next matchup and we have the Bobcats first playoff appearance, which was significant. It represented that Charlotte was back on the map in terms of basketball after spending a few years uh, being terrible as, as the Charlotte Bobcats, but then they get swept. So it's bittersweet in that way. And then finally, that's going up against the Hornets trading Alonzo Mourning. There's your bitter You trade away a Hall of Famer who then goes into the Hall of Fame as a member of the Miami Heat. But the sweet part is that they get Glenn Rice, who ends up being one of the most prolific scorers in Charlotte Hornets history.
0: Yeah, the sixth overall seed that Zoe trade was. Let's get into it, Doug. Let's go with the first matchup. Space Jam battling Kimba Walker's 60-point performance. Space Jam is going to be a wild card here, Doug. Me and you both agree that it should be a one seed. It actually put the Hornets... I'm not going to say put the Hornets within national recognition, but Space Jam is a beloved basketball movie for people that grew up during that time. Even, even kids today that you might show it to Love the Toons household name, even in the times of LeBron James. Michael Jordan still holds a lot of clout. He's playing with Bugs Bunny. They battle against some of the best NBA players of that time. And it's Muggsy Bogues and Larry Johnson in a movie that everybody, every basketball fan really does love. And so when we talk about Space Jam, it's a little kooky. It's a little weird. Rick Benell doesn't think we should have it as the one seed. I think that probably a good portion of our listeners would maybe raise their eyebrow when looking at this matchup. Space Jam. And I don't, one listen, seed. I
2: don't know what the listeners but, are going to do. They've surprised me after Region Two and yeah. the upsets that we saw there. I'm just I'm going to let the listeners decide what they want. This is their bracket. This is not our bracket. So if they want Space Jam or they don't want Space Jam, that's up to them.
0: Yeah, that's fine. I don't care what the listeners do. I'm trying to project what they might do. You are right. It's very difficult because I have been surprised with some of the results that we've gotten in the first two regions. Space Jam, Doug, we agree that it should be a one seed and Kimba Walker's 60 point performance. That was a special moment, even in a loss to Philadelphia, where I think you have to question how much of that moment was lost or at least stolen by Jimmy Butler, who hits a game winner to give them the edge and give them the victory over Kimball Walker. Tough matchup here, especially with the wild card that is Space Jam that came out in the night.
2: Uh, So if you don't remember this game, this happened uh, back in November of 2018, uh, November 17th to be exact. They do lose the Philadelphia 76ers, 122 to 119. And Jimmy Butler not only hit the winning shot over Dwayne Bacon, it was a three-point shot to win the game in overtime. He also had the uh, had a block on Kimball Walker that would have put the Hornets uh, in position to to win that basketball game. And Jimmy Butler only scores 15 points in this game. It was Joel Embiid with 33, Ben Simmons with 23, and J.J. Redick putting in 23. So Butler wasn't even the feature player in this game, but he comes through uh, in overtime for the Philadelphia 76ers on a night when Kimball Walker had 60 points, seven rebounds, four assists, and four steals. So he was not only a scoring machine, he was getting rebounds, he was making plays for others, and he was playing defense. Did have nine turnovers, but, I mean, you score 60 points, we'll give you nine turnovers.
0: Yeah, that that's fine. Uh, we will overlook the mistakes that come with nine
2: turnovers. On 62% shooting. I had to get that in there, too. This was not a, a, a sort of inefficient 60 points. This is This is crazy. He was amazing that night.
0: I struggle with the Kimba Walker 60-point performance because they did lose because Philadelphia won in such dramatic fashion with Jimmy Butler hitting just a tough shot from the corner, I believe, that three-point shot. Um, It was tough. On the other hand, Doug, I remember after this game, Around the Horn had Kimba Walker as a topic people were discussing him on all of the debate shows about whether Kimball Walker could win the MVP with a team that is as bad as the Charlotte Hornets. He was a guy that was getting talked about in such a large way, and yet they lose. They (laughs) lose to the Jimmy Butler-led Philadelphia 76ers, at least in that game. I I don't Uh, know what to make of that.
2: You want to hear Nick Batum's stat line for this game? (laughs) You were laughing. I,
0: I couldn't hear you. The way we have this set up, just for people that are listening from home, the way we have this set up is when Doug talks over me, I, I can't hear him when I'm talking. And so it really actually helps me out with all the ways that Doug does try to interrupt me so many times. But he had been laughing during that entire <laughs> spiel I went on with the Kimball Walker 60-point performance. And Doug was just laughing the whole time, not listening to anything I was saying.
2: 0 oh for 4, 0 oh for 1 from 3. Zero points, one block, one steal, one turnover, four assists, one rebound. That's Nick in 19 minutes. Nick Batum starting at the small forward position on a night where Kimba goes for 60. So truly, that's number, truly that's, incredible.
0: That's the number one seed in the worst moments of all time bracket. <laughs> that's the number one. That's one, a Nick Batum's Philadelphia performance when Kimba goes for 60. Doug, do you share the, uh, do you share the, confusion on how we should rank the Kimball Walker 60 point performance compared to space jam. How much merit do you give that performance in it's uh, in its importance in Charlotte Hornets history?
2: I mean, it was, I don't know if it really has importance to Charlotte Hornets history other than it broke several records. It, well, I guess, and, and that's significant. Okay. I just okay, argued, I just argue with Boom. myself there. Uh, and not only did he break the, the 60 point barrier, but I think he also on that same night it broke the record for most forty point games uh, over a career, and that record was held previously by Glenn Rice. So I think he broke that one. And then I think he also is the only other player, other than Allen Iverson, at six feet one or less to score sixty. So there you go.
0: Yeah, I, I, I put this tweet out. I think when I was watching this, uh, watching this game live, I was trying to think back. Man, just how many times have we watched a player, just in general, not a Charlotte Hornet, but just a player in general, go for 60 points. I, we remember LeBron and Carmelo, I think, doing it against the Charlotte Bobcats. Mm-hmm. Um,
2: Kobe, so we, we've game. seen it. A,
0: we've seen it a couple of times. And then we saw Kimba do it. You, you just don't see it all that often. That, I think you know, it, it was really, really cool to see Kimba do that. It's unfortunate that it came into a loss.
2: All right, we still have one more matchup in the bittersweet region. The Bobcats' first playoffs appearance versus the Hornets trading Alonzo Morning for Glenn Rice. That's coming up. Plus, we have sound uh, from Bill Simmons and his opinion on the Bobcats drafting MKG and Adam Morrison's very unfiltered opinion about Larry Brown. That's all coming up. But first, got to tell you about something we've been talking about for a long time, Queen City Beauty Group has announced their online consultation program. We told you a lot about Queen City Beauty Group over the past couple of weeks. They are really the best spa in Charlotte. And now they have an online consultation program. Do you have questions about your skin? Are you using the right products for your skin type? Have you or someone that you love been struggling with your skin, but you don't want the hassle of going to a specialist Truly Great skincare is now only a few clicks away with Queen City Beauty Group's online consultation program. Nichelle Mosley, an award-winning esthetician, will analyze and assess your photos prior to your appointment, video chat with you on your appointment date, develop a protocol for your individual skin condition, and make recommendations to you for products that will help you achieve your goals. All that plus... They follow up with your progress as well now i got this online consultation program for producer katie and she absolutely loved it she attests to it it's amazing queen city beauty group has targeted solutions that will work on your skin regardless of condition queen city beauty group can remotely treat clients for eczema psoriasis melasma hormonal acne scarring and many other conditions don't struggle with your skin anymore Don't let a loved one struggle either. Whether you just want to help with mild acne or you'd like to get assistance with a major correction, Queen City Beauty Group would love to help. To book an online consultation at Queen City Beauty Group, go to queencitybeautygroup.com. Click online consultation. Queen City Beauty Group, skincare for all.
1: This is Locked on Hornets. Yeah, segue. Yeah. It's called a
2: radio segue. Well, and and I saw I'm feeling Josh better, guy. by the way. If you didn't notice, I didn't want. You know, I'm, I'm a little bit of a private person, so I don't talk about my health issues often on the show. Um, but what I, now? I'm healthy, and I, I think people are going to notice a change in me today. So I just wanted to kind of g- go ahead and get that out of the way. Um, that Doug is unleashed on this show today. So watch out. It's time for more of the Locked On Hornets podcast.
0: Uh, Let's look at the other side, Doug. Let's look at the other game within this region. The two seed, uh, actually the sixth overall seed, so pretty high up. It's the Alonzo morning trade that brings Glenn Rice to the Charlotte Hornets, and that battles the three seed in the Charlotte Bobcats' first ever playoff appearance led by both Steven Jackson and Gerald Wallace. What are your thoughts when you first look upon this matchup, Doug?
2: Um, so I think at first blush, you would say, why is trading Alonzo morning in the greatest moments bracket at all? I mean, that's a, that's, you know, that's a tough moment for, for a franchise to lose a hall of famer, but they bring in, and to me, it's one of the best trades might be one of the best trades in NBA history. It has to be a top 10, at least because uh, you bring in Glenn Rice, who comes in for three seasons with Charlotte is an all-star in all three seasons, sets all kinds of franchise scoring records. Some of them still hold up today. While it was in Charlotte, he averaged 23.5 points per game, four rebounds to assist. He was just a red-hot scorer. He shot 44.4% in three seasons from three. Now, did he take as many as they do today no but he took 4.8 which is actually a huge number uh, during that time so he took a lot of threes made a lot of threes won an all-star game mvp three seasons as an all-star was never an all-star again and wasn't an all-star before that despite playing for some good miami teams and then later playing for two good los angeles lakers teams
0: yeah the zoe trade i think you mentioned looking at this upon first blush and asking why this trade would be in the Charlotte Hornets bracket. I think even upon last blush, I asked that question. This is the sixth overall seed, Doug. And you thought highly enough of this moment to pick it at least as, I think, your third overall selection with the 27 moments that we had concocted and put into a list. This was the sixth one. You thought this was sixth worthy, maybe even higher if it hadn't been me choose.
2: Yeah, well, I tell you, I mean, if you just look, just talent, depth of talent, I really feel like, those Glenn Rice, Anthony Mason-led Charlotte Hornets teams were actually better head-to-head than the Zoe, Morning, Bogues teams. I think they could have given those teams a run if you had been able to do some sort of fantasy matchup. And then Glenn Rice still owns records. That's incredible to me. I mean, he last played in 98, and and he still owns points per game for a career at 23.5. Kimball Walker is sitting in fourth on that list at 19.8 over his career in Charlotte. You want to guess the other two? Say it one more time. So Glenn Rice owns the record for career points per game as a member of the Charlotte Hornets. Uh, Kimball Walker is fourth on that list. do, Would you like to try to guess at who is second and third?
0: As far as points per game goes in their career. Over a with career
2: Charlotte. as a Charlotte Hornet.
0: As a Charlotte Hornet. Well, you know, <laughs> there haven't been too many guys that have played so long for this team. Uh, Again, Steven it's over Jack- a
2: career. So, I mean, it's whatever. But, they they, they, if they stayed two seasons. They stayed two seasons. If they stayed right, three se- you know. Right, once. right. Steven Jackson. Steven Jackson is tied with Kimba Walker for fourth on this list at 19.8.
0: Um, uh, I mean, uh, Alonzo morning has to be in there. Alonzo morning
2: is second. So again, you bring in a guy in Glenn rice who actually scores more per game than Alonzo (laughs) morning, Uh, morning second on that list at 21.3. My guy mash at third on this list at 20.6 points. Oh, so game. that is totally the, the basis
0: of the question. And we found the root and what you wanted to reveal. That's Mash. the only reason you asked the question. That's why here's the problem with Mash me hit. with this, Doug, you do trade the better overall player in Alonzo morning. He goes to a different team that Miami heat team does see more success with Alonzo morning than they do with Glenn. Rice. They won a they championship. Actually- they go to, <laughs> how many rings, Sean? How many rings did they win? Alonzo Mourning goes to the by Eastern the way, Conference spoiler Finals art. and they go further than what the Charlotte Hornets do. Uh, Zoe is a Hall of Famer and they get rid of the better player in that trade, the best overall player. And that's why it's tough for me to put this moment here. It is very, it, it is a very good job by, by Bass, Bob Bass. I, you were able to get that kind of talent. Like given the circumstances, I understand what you're saying getting rid of a guy like Zoe and still being able to get a guy that put up crazy numbers for the Hornets and Glenn Rice. Yeah, it was an excellent job given the circumstances, getting rid of the better overall player, having that team actually get to the Eastern conference finals. And I believe come pretty damn close and beating the Knicks to go to the NBA finals. I can't do it. What it's battling. It's battling the Bobcats first playoff appearance. And that was Steve Jack, Steven Jackson and Gerald Wallace. Those were the guys that were the dynamic duo, our little dynamic duo here in Charlotte after Jackson had bounced around from team to team and done a pretty good job. And Gerald Wallace, um, you know, just an all around great basketball player, defensively, even offensively, grew into, I think, something around like scoring 17 to 18 points per game. Very good. I, I thought that this was the first taste of success that we had as Bobcat fans, Doug. I thought it was really important. And yes, I know they got swept and this is why it's in the bittersweet region, but to get a little taste of success, to get that first taste of success since its inception in what, like Oh three, I, you know, to, to have this here, I thought that this was a moment worthy of not only being in the bracket, but worthy enough to be a three seed because that, that was an exciting time, right? We, we finally were in the postseason. We would only make it one other time in Bobcats history. And get swept again, and so you, you have both of these guys: Gerald Wallace, the only all-star to play in a Bobcats uniform. We all love Steven Jackson. I thought this was a really cool moment.
2: Uh, yeah, but I think anything Bobcats-related is going to get killed in this bracket. Uh, as cool of a moment as it was to watch Flip Murray, hey, don't protect
0: the listeners, Doug.
2: I'm, I'm just saying. Well, they don't listen to me. I mean, I would have voted for the the debut of the team. I mean, that seems pretty significant. It seems a that great moment Charlotte. in history for Charlotte to actually get an NBA franchise. But they thought Courtney Lee's shot was better than that. So I don't know what the listeners are thinking. Um, so but I, I, yeah, I mean th- that was cool. They they bring in Larry Brown, kind of a ringer coach, and uh he almost destroys the team in order to send it to the playoffs. I mean, that's a thing. It's like, you know, shooting a rocket up, and you know you're not gonna get half of it back. I mean, that's what it that's what it's like getting Larry Brown as your coach. Uh, but this it was an interesting team. Uh Steven Jackson, one of the best quotes of all time, as we heard in our last episode. Uh, with Rick Bennell. but I still, I just love the Glenn Rice for Alonzo morning trade. I mean, I get your points, uh, but I love the talent that they got back in Glenn Rice. Uh, when you trade a hall of famer, that doesn't happen very often. And they had to fight to get all of that value back because you remember Alonzo yeah. was saying, Hey, I don't want to go to Miami if you're going to take all of the players away. So they had <laughs> to fight to get uh Glenn Rice and all of these players included. So, um, we got a lot more Bobcats history coming up too, by the way, we got to get to some MKG sound and some Adam Morrison sound. And he's not a fan of Larry Brown either. Let me tell you
0: Uh, some house cleaning there. I was just check uh, fact checking myself. Alonzo went to the conference finals against the bulls and lost to Michael Jordan did go to the conference semis to lose in a game seven against the New York Knicks in like the 99 2000 season. Uh, Also I lied to you again because we're not going to be able to get (laughs) to the space jam clips. You know how we do it. We promise things sometimes, and then we don't deliver on them. That's yeah. just what we do here on the Locked on Hornets podcast, and I apologize. The show is going a little long, but what we will do is we will play some of that Adam Morrison sound as well as the MKG sound that we had Bill Simmons-Shedford talking about MKG. That's coming up next in the final segment of the Locked on Hornets podcast.
1: This is Locked on
2: Hornets. Like, you can't drop a name like Anthony Tolliver into the middle of a ring. It's like dropping a piece of savory, juicy meat In in a lion cage, you know, if you drop Anthony Tolliver's name into this conversation, I'm going to attack it and I'm going to, I'm just going to rip it up.
0: I know that. I know that once, hey man, you got to stay away from Anthony Tolliver. It's going to make Doug into a rabbit dog.
2: I'm tall over it.
1: It's time for more of the Locked on Hornets podcast.
0: I told you about all of the content at the top of the show that we were going to get to. Uh, spent a couple of segments on the bracket because some interesting matchups that we have in Space Jam slash Bittersweet region of the bracket that we just revealed. Again, we'll put that on our Twitter handle for you to vote on at Lockdown Hornets. But I wanted to get to a couple of uh, sound bites that relate to the Charlotte Bobcats. First, let's go with Adam Morrison. Doug, you want to go with the GOAT, the champion that is Adam Morrison. Before we get to MKG, how would you like to order this?
2: Uh, yeah, because this one was from Rejecting the Screen, a podcast uh, hosted by uh, Noah Kozlov and Adam Stanko here on the Locked On Podcast Network. And for some reason, these national shows have been talking about the Charlotte Bobcats a lot. Like, it's really weird. Uh, all three of the big national shows have been talking about the Bobcats as they look back on NBA history and so uh, on on rejecting the screen they do these going iso shows that are essentially like WTF with Mark Marin. they are unfiltered interviews with uh, basketball stars they had Sean Marion they've done Brendan Haywood gave a lot of great uh, MJ Wizard stories but recently they talked to Adam Morrison and he was totally unfiltered uh, when talking about his time with the Charlotte Bobcats specifically his time with Larry Brown do note that he uses some strong language in this clip. And so I've replaced the strong language with (laughs) a sound of an actual Bobcat screaming. Take a listen.
3: He was a big believer in, he said it to us when training camp started, he said training camp is a month. It's not just a week. It's the whole preseason. So we would have taped practices, not just walkers practices before um, preseason games. And you know, I, I get that you have to grind, and we're a young team. I understand that. Like I said, I was grew up around coaching. I grew up around basketball my whole life. But for me, I was like, hey, I have, like, a game routine. <laughs> like, I, I can't, like, expend energy and get my blood sugars all out of whack. And he didn't give a fuck. Ah! And we'd have two-and-a-half, three-hour practices all the time, every, almost every fucking ah! day. And he was the type of coach that would stop every play and talk. So you couldn't get, you could really couldn't get a lather going and you know, it's constantly hard to play when you know, if you try to make a play and it it doesn't work out that you're going to get chewed out every single time. So you kind of turn robotic, you know? So he was, he was tough to play for. Let's just put it at that.
2: So there you go. That's Adam Morrison on rejecting the screen. Go listen to the whole interview because it really uh, is fantastic and subscribe to their podcast so what do you think there? Adam Morris, first of all, the Bobcat sounds are amazing. They're but, ridiculous. <laughs> uh,
0: I didn't expect it to be like that. That's unreal. Does a Bobcat really sound like that? That's a real Bobcat you put in there.
2: Yeah, there's a video of two lynx uh, yelling at each other, and that's how they scream, and they sound. it sounds almost, almost human. Uh, but what did you think about how Adam Morrison sounded there? He was really tough on Larry Brown, but you could see where Adam... And MJ probably didn't have the same thought process on things, right?
0: Well, it's it's funny because speaking of these podcasts, I was listening to Chad Ford's big board and Bill Simmons was mentioning Adam Morrison in that podcast, I believe as well about guys that they missed on. And when they talked about Adam Morrison, they talked about, you know, this was somebody that, you know, suffered with anxiety suffered with different stuff mentally within the NBA
2: and diabetes. I mean, he, he did, I mean, he's admitted in, in interviews that he didn't do a great job of managing that for himself. And, and, but he's in this, in this particular clip, he lays some of that blame on Larry Brown and the strenuous uh, schedule. Right. Which I'm, which my point being, (laughs) You know, Larry Brown probably not the
0: most uh, comforting head coach in the world. Mm-hmm. Not somebody that's going to pat you on the back and say it's okay and be a teacher in that regard. He he's of the uh, he's almost like an old football coach. Is that you know you rub some dirt on it, you get out there and you and you play football, you play basketball, damn it. Uh, you can put a Bobcat sound there if you want to. So it's just interesting that that relationship is about as bad as it could go right from the get-go with Larry Brown and Adam Morrison. Those two personalities just would not mesh. And it's funny because Bill Simmons was discussing how what a red flag should have been when trying to evaluate Adam Morrison. And I don't know if that's completely fair because of mental health and especially the way that we talk about it today. But a red flag should have been how much Gonzaga protected Adam Morrison. They wouldn't allow Mm. people to interview him nearly as much as the average college athlete, even in previous Gonzaga years. And so that's, what's interesting to me, just this kind of relationship between Adam Morrison and Larry Brown. I'm not, I'm not putting blame on either. I'm just kind of dissecting the kind of relationship that those two personalities are allowed to have.
2: Right. But the fallacy in that is that Duke protected Zion in the exact same way. And there's nothing wrong with Zion. I mean, it's oh, all...
0: Zion was getting a ton of coverage though, right? Like, I don't think they protected him in the exact same way. I think it was well, different.
2: Uh, no, but famously, Duke would not let Zion talk.
0: I think Zion wanted to bring on R.J. Barrett in interviews too, right? Like, I think he wanted to bring on his best friend. I'm just I don't say- know. I'm I just
2: saying Duke has done this thing. with players in the past. And, it did, and what I'm saying is it's the toughest thing to project in all of this is... The psychological aspect. And yeah. so, but I think, you know, like with everything, part of the blame probably rests with Adam, P- part of the blame rests with MJ, part of the blame rests with Larry Brown. I mean, it, you know, th- the point being in all of this is the Bobcats were a giant mess, and Adam Morrison was a part of that Bobcats messy history.
0: Well, it's, it's funny, and we do we have more Adam Morrison clips, Doug, that you wanted to play? There was more from that interview. Go uh,
2: listen to it. It's on, it's on Reject. Okay. I do have more, but go listen to it on Rejecting the okay. Screen because I want to give time to this MKG sound too.
0: All right, sorry. Let's go to the MKG sound real quickly.
2: This is from Chad Ford's Big Board. That conversation with Bill Simmons, they were discussing players they missed on. MKG made that list. Michael Kidd Gilchrist.
1: Yeah, I missed I, on him too. I, I loved him. Michael Kidd Gilchrist. I mean, and if you think about, again... Guys that work hard, check. Athlete, check. Fierce competitor, check. Leader. John Calipari went on and on about he, how he took leadership of the of this Kentucky team, not not Anthony Davis, and was was the real leader of, of this team. Check. Couldn't shoot. Really, his offensive game was completely really in transition, um, and that was the and that was it. And when you watched his jump shot and you watched the hitch in it, you had those concerns. But here was a player that I just thought he was going to figure it out. I thought he was going to put in the effort and he was going to become an an elite player in the NBA. He was a winner at every level, both in high school and and college. And, and he's been a massive disappointment. He's been a good defender in the NBA, but his offense is so, so poor that you really can't keep him on the floor. So Rosillo has a whole thing on this. Rosillo didn't like him going into that draft. And his case was, he's actually not a good athlete. It seems like he's a good athlete to go to. And I felt the same way. I was like, oh, he's going to be so athletic. He could play different positions. And he's like, like, watch him carefully. He's actually not a great athlete. He's, He's like a smart athlete. He's not, and and that turned out to be more right than anything because I do feel like if he was an incredible athlete, even if he couldn't shoot, there's a way to use those guys. But when I watch him on Charlotte, I'm always like, did he blow out his knee and nobody told well, me? He, he has had um, a lot of injuries as well. He he's been pretty injury prone, but I don't think that's the problem.
2: the The answer is yes, Bill. He was injured a lot, and apparently, no one told you. It is. I mean, we never saw the
0: MKG just slam jam in transition though, right? Like I'm sure we can get a couple, but it's not like we saw that so much for him being a better option in transition offensively. I I do feel like there was some underwhelming finishes from him at the rim. I I, I remember MKG kind of being like that. It is kind of funny. Like I get Ryan Rosillo's point. But also, go ahead.
2: Doug. Well, when when MKG would occasionally score twenty points, it was because he was attacking in transition. He was a nifty attacker. You're right; he didn't he, yeah. the slam jams weren't there, but he was a nifty attacker in transition, and that's where you saw the athleticism. But I do agree with Bill Simmons; like, as a one-on-one offensive player, he was not a terribly effective slasher. Um, well,
0: and and the, yeah, right, right. And the, and the reason they both love them, and and part of the stuff that Clip missed was they were discussing earlier why they would go towards other guys. They were discussing on hits they've had in the draft past and misses that they had. They both expressed how they missed on MKG because something they've learned throughout this draft evaluation process in a very imperfect process where there's no way to predict what happens because of all the outliers that there are, you know, MKG was wired to work as hard as anybody, right? Right. Like John Calipari God almighty. I mean, he vouched for him so much about how much he was the leader. They were totally dead on with that. It was not Anthony Davis. As, maybe he was on the court with the way he played, whatever. But as far as just, you know, willing his team to victory, MKG just won at every level. And it's easy to buy into a guy like that. Maybe and it's interesting to kind of Go back and reflect on the time where he was shooting a little bit better. You know, I think a lot of people gave Mark Price a lot of credit for the way that he worked with MKG. He gets injured and then that goes out the window. You know, I, I'm with them, man. Like, I, I wanted it to work out for MKG so badly, and it just didn't to the degree that we wanted him to. And, and you know, I was watching with Tar Heel fans, they wanted Harrison Barnes, like Bradley Beale, I think, was in the discussion at that point. And I was like, you know what? MKG is cool. I, I'm glad we have MKG as a Bobcat. And it's unfortunate that he never lived up to the reputation that a second-round pick should carry.
2: Yeah, so I, say, I, think, I think that clip wrong. highlights a couple of things. One, that we can't do any kind of revisionist history on the MKG selection. Uh, obviously, they wanted Anthony Davis, they lost the lottery, but to me, I, I really feel like even though there was some discussion around Bradley Beal, that MKG was the consistent consensus second overall pick, and and the Bob and the Bobcats then made the right pick, and it just didn't work out because. The second thing that this clip highlights for me is that draft prowess for a team exists on a matrix. And on one axis is draft luck. Some teams have good luck and some teams have bad luck. And then there is draft research, sort of what you can control. And some teams do really well with that and some teams don't do well. And I think... The pre Cup check era, you'd have to put the Bobcat slash Hornets in the worst part of that matrix, where they both had bad luck and they they made bad picks. Um, so that you know, that that that's just sort of sums up for me what the the Hornets did wrong in the draft. Uh, I know this podcast is long.
0: Doug, I want to talk a little bit more about Chad Ford's big board in that podcast that featured Bill Simmons. Mm-hmm. Bill Simmons mentioned four different Bobcat selection slash players that were young and that he thought were hits, and mm-hmm. none of them panned out. It's funny, like when they talked about misses, he mentions how the first one he mentions is Ameka Okafor and Dwight Howard. He thought the Magic made a mistake in selecting Dwight <laughs> Howard, well, and that Ameka Okafor was the guy. That's a big miss. Yeah, that's a huge miss. Yeah, and he he owns up to it. He said it's a miss and a half for sure. He just loved Mecca Okafor. He loved MKG. Uh, you know, he even mentioned Tyrus Thomas, that he was actually a big fan of of Tyrus Thomas, I believe. Or uh, Chad Ford mentioned that he was a big fan of Tyrus Thomas. They actually well, mentioned Well,
2: listen, uh, so was Paul Silas. Couldn't wait to get his hands on yeah. him. And
0: then Adam Morrison, I think Bill Simmons said he was a fan <laughs> of Adam. So you know, well, they, that was the point, right? Like that whole segment is them clouding themselves for missing so no, no, badly. I just, on I just
2: said, problems. Paul Silas was a big fan of Tyrus Thomas. He couldn't wait to get his hands on him.
0: Oh, I wasn't listening. I couldn't <laughs> hear that. That's a good one. Go ahead and laugh at yourself. That's fine. That's a good one. We'll end on that. That's Doug Branson still laughing at himself. Still so pleased.
2: Over four, zero points. Yeah. Oh my <laughs> I I, gosh. I wish I could
0: have given you more credit on that, but I can't hear anything. Uh, Yeah. For summary, I can hear you. It's probably for the best though on this podcast. Thank you guys for joining. Hopefully you can hear everything that wraps up this edition of Lockdown Hornets. Now tell your smart device to play the most recent episode of Lockdown NBA. Have a great day. We'll see you tomorrow. We'll do a rewatch. Paul Silas choked Cyrus Thomas. That's, yeah, right.
2: that's, right. that's the yeah. joke. Wow.